all writing. So 10 weeks ago now, we began this series on spiritual gifts. And when we began this series, we began with this, from 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 to 11. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshipping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts He alone decides which gift each person should have. So over the past nine weeks, we have looked at each of the gifts mentioned by Paul in this passage, and we have looked at their place in our lives and in the life of the church today. My hope is that over the past ten weeks, you have learned just as much as I have through this series, and my prayer is that you have been bold to ask the Spirit about what it is that he might have gifted you with. Paul certainly has plenty to say about the gifts of the Spirit, especially here in 1 Corinthians, as he is particularly concerned about the ways in which the Church of Corinth are using or not using the gifts correctly. And Paul continues his teaching through the rest of 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and into 14, 2, which we talked about last week. But what fascinates me is that 1 Corinthians 13 is sort of the heart of Paul's teaching. It's the center of what he has to say. And many Christians, and even non-Christians, they know, they're familiar with 1 Corinthians 13. But we probably don't necessarily know it as the center of Paul's teaching on the spiritual gifts. Instead, we know it as the love chapter. We know it from all the weddings that it's read out at. Or we know it from the wall hangings or the screensavers or all those sorts of things where these words are written. But the reality of this chapter is that this is the central core of Paul's teaching on spiritual gifts. This week it has weighed heavy for me and maybe it has for you too. There's been a lot of decisions to be made over the recent weeks, and this week has sort of brought them all to a head and demanded that they be made all at once. And so we had to make a decision in a situation where there couldn't be any win-win. There was no right or clear answer, 
And it was a decision which meant that people could and people would be hurt, no matter what was chosen. And then I came to this, 1 Corinthians 13, the central core of what we've been over for the past 10 weeks. And it sort of jarred me out of the heaviness and the current situation that we were in, and it was like a refreshing wave reminding me of where to look and what we're striving for. So I'm going to read, beginning with the last verse of chapter 12, and then ending with the first verse of chapter 14, containing mostly 1 Corinthians 13. And this is our central core. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship so that I might boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it isn't self-seeking, it isn't easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part will disappear. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection, as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Follow the way of love. This This is our central core. More important than all of the gifts is love. Paul uses verses 1 to 3 of 1 Corinthians 13 to make the point that without love, the gifts of the Spirit are worthless. Without love, our words, no matter how poetic or deep or groundbreaking, they fall like a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Nothing more than just a whole lot of noise without meaning or heart. Without love, our knowledge and our understanding, our resolve, no matter how deep or rich or impressive, it takes us nowhere at all. Without love, our actions, our sacrifice, no matter how selfless or extreme, it all adds to us nothing. Unless used in love, 
the spirits, the spirit's gifts that are given to us are made worthless. In verses 4 to 7, Paul describes the nature of love using language that would really make clear to the Corinthians how wrong they were getting it. But this, what he describes provides a good standard of measure for us to use today. The amplified translation of the Bible brings together multiple translations or interpretations of each word to give us a fuller picture in English of what Paul wrote. The amplified version says, Love endures with patience and serenity. Love is kind and thoughtful. It is not jealous or envious. Love does not brag. It is not arrogant. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not provoked, nor overly sensitive or easily angered. It does not take into account wrong endured. It does not rejoice at injustice, but rejoices with the truth when right and truth prevail. Love bears all things, regardless of what comes, believes all things, looking for the best in each one, hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times, and endures all things without weakening. This love, this version of love, let this be our goal. Let this be what we strive for. Verses 8 to 13 then highlight the temporary nature of the gifts of the Spirit. For a time is coming when these gifts will no longer be necessary, whereas love will always remain. Paul provides a summary of his point in verse 8. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. But we must be careful when reading these verses that we don't try to put to bed these gifts of the Spirit earlier than we should. Paul goes on in verses 9 through 12 about the incomplete nature of our current state and knowledge. For now... We only know in part, but completeness is coming. Just as for a child, adulthood is coming. For now, we only see a reflection as in a mirror, not a true picture, but it is coming. Then we will see face to face. The time that Paul refers to is the time that we looked forward to last week, the time when Jesus returns when the kingdom is fulfilled, is made complete here on earth as it is in heaven. The gifts of the Spirit will cease at that time because they are mere provisions for this imperfect world in this imperfect time. And they won't be needed when perfection comes, when we are with Jesus face to face, dwelling with him in his Father's house. And in that time of perfection, when we are with Jesus, we won't need these gifts because these gifts impart to us glimpses of heaven and we'll be there. What will still remain, though, is faith and hope and love. Faith as in belief in and service to Jesus. Hope as in expectant anticipation of the good things God has promised to us. And love, 
as in the most foundational and essential aspect of our Christian life, our central core. The greatest of these is love. Love is what sustains us. Love is what binds us together. Love is what calls us into the future God has promised us. Without love, we are nothing. We gain nothing. We have nothing to give. Let love always be our highest goal and our deepest desire. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship so that I might boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part will disappear. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. But for now we see only a reflection, as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Follow the way of love. Let's pray. Lord God, you are love. Your love is what sustains us and binds us together. Your love bears with us in all things. Your love is ever patient with us, ever kind to us. Lord God, would we make that love our goal? Would we make that love our deepest desire? So that in every interaction we have, with one another, with those we meet outside of this place? Would it be overflowing with love, Lord, with your love that is good and kind and pure? We thank you, Lord, that this love is what binds us together. We thank you for the gift that this love is to us. May we be wise stewards of it in our own lives. Amen. 
So last week, I posed to you the outline of today's service, coming from Paul's teaching in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26, which the message translation puts as, so here's what I want you to do. When you gather for worship, each one of you be prepared with something that will be useful for all. Sing a hymn, teach a lesson, tell a story, lead a prayer, provide an insight. So on the basis of what we've talked about this morning, with the knowledge that love is our central core, our goal and, I, and our desire, I invite you now to come forward if you have something to share, to bring what God has gifted you with, to build up this body, to encourage others, to strengthen others and to comfort others.